Hare Krishna, my dear devotees, welcome back to the daily readings of Srila Prabhupada's books right here in the live studios in Hive, otherwise known as the Haven, in southeast England on the coast, right near, the, right on the English Channel. Um, we're going to start right out today because it's a little late. You'll be happy to know that we got almost four hours of sound edited or not edited but proofread and uh, corrections made today and it's pretty ecstatic mm. can't wait to share okay <clears throat> Srimad Bhagavata Mahima Stotram from Sri Krishna Leela Stava verses 412 through 416 by Srila Sanatan Goswami five verses glorifying the Srimad Bhagavatam. It goes like this Sarva Shastradipi Yusha, Sarva Vedaika Satpala, Sarva Siddhanta Ratnaja, Sarva Lokaika Drik Prida. O nectar from the ocean of all scriptures, singular fruit of all the Vedas, rich mine of the precious gems of all conclusive truths, you are the only giver of sight to all the worlds. Sarva Bhagavata Prana, Srimad Bhagavata Prabho, Kalitvanduditaditya, Sri Krishna Parivartita. O life heir of all the Supreme Lord's devotees, O Master, Srimad Bhagavatam, you are the sun risen in the darkness of Kali. You are the exact image of Sri Krishna. Paramananda Pataya, Premavarshaksharayate, Sarvadasavasivyaya, Sri Krishnaya Namostume. I bow down to you, who are supremely blissful to read. Your every syllable pours down a flood of prema. You can always be served by everyone. You are Sri Krishna Himself. Madekabando Matsangin. Madguru Man Mahadana, Man Nisdaraka Mad Bhagya, Mad Anandana Mostute. My only friend, my constant companion, my spiritual master, my great wealth, my savior, my good fortune, my source of ecstasy. I bow down to you. Asadu Saduta Dayin Adini Chochatakara. O bestower of saintliness to the unsaintly, O exalter of the most fallen, please never leave me. Always appear in my heart and my voice with pure love. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya All right. We're on uh, chapter 87. Uh, of the Supreme Personality, of Krishna, the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Um, prayers by the personified Vedas. This is part, it's part, right? Part five, yes. 
And the paragraph that we're beginning on is the paragraph, the Vedic injunctions state. The Vedic injunctions state that every living entity lives by eating the remnants of food offered to the personality of Godhead. In great sacrifices, the injunction is that Narayana should be present as the supreme predominating deity of the sacrifice and that after the sacrifice is performed, the remnants of food should be distributed among the demigods. This is called Yajna Bhaga. Every demigod has an allotment of Yajna Bhaga, which he accepts as prasadam. The conclusion is that the demigods are not independently powerful. They are posted as different executives under the order of the Supreme Personality of Godhead and they eat prasadam, or the remnants of sacrifices. They execute the order of the Supreme Lord exactly according to His plan. The Supreme Personality of Godhead is in the background, and because His orders are carried out by others, it appears that He is impersonal. In our grossly materialistic way, we cannot conceive how the Supreme Person is above the impersonal activities of material nature. Therefore, the Lord explains in the Bhagavad Gita that there is nothing superior to Him and that the impersonal Brahman is, subordinate, is subordinate, subordinately situated as a manifestation of His personal rays. Sripad Sridhar Swami has composed a nice verse in this regard. Let me offer my respectful obeisances unto the Supreme Personality of Godhead who has no material senses but through whose direction and will. The Supreme, let me offer my respectful obeisances unto the Supreme Personality of Godhead who has no material senses but through whose direction and will all the material senses are working. He is the supreme potency of all material senses or sense organs. He is omnipotent. He is the supreme performer of everything. Therefore, he is worshipable by everyone. Unto that supreme person do I offer my respectful obeisances. Krishna himself declares in the Bhagavad Gita that because he is transcendental to all sentient and insentient beings, he is known as Purushottama, which means the Supreme Personality. Purusha means person and Uttama means supreme or transcendental. In another place, the Lord says that as the air is situated in the all-pervading sky, Everyone is situated in Him, and everyone is acting under His direction. 
The Vedas personified continued, Dear Lord, they prayed, You are equal to all, with no partiality toward a particular type of living entity. It is due to their own material desires that all living entities enjoy or suffer in different conditions of life. As your parts and parcels, they are just like the sparks of a fire. Just as sparks dance in a blazing fire, all living entities are dancing on your support. You are providing them with everything they desire, and yet you are not responsible for their position of enjoyment or suffering. There are different types of living entities, demigods, human beings, animals, trees, birds, beasts, germs, worms, insects, and aquatics, and all enjoy or suffer in life while resting on you. The living entities are of two kinds. One class is called Nitya Mukta, ever liberated, and the other is called Nitya Badha, ever conditioned. The Nitya Mukta living entities are in the spiritual kingdom, and the Nitya Badhas are in the material world. In the spiritual world, both the living entities and the Lord are manifest in their original status, like live sparks in a blazing fire. But in the material world, although the Lord is all-pervasive in His impersonal feature, the living entities have forgotten their Krishna consciousness to a greater or lesser degree, just as sparks sometimes fall from a blazing fire and lose their original brilliant condition. The sparks fall, in di fall into different conditions and retain more or less of their original brilliance. Some sparks fall onto dry grass and thus ignite another big fire. This is a reference to the pure devotees who take compassion on the poor and innocent living entities. The pure devotee ignites Krishna consciousness in the hearts of the conditioned souls, and thus the blazing fire of the spiritual world becomes manifest even within this material world. Some sparks fall onto water. They immediately lose their original brilliance and become extinct. They are comparable, they are comparable to the living entities who take their birth in the midst of gross materialists, in which case their original Krishna consciousness becomes extinct. Some sparks fall to the ground and remain midway between the blazing and extinct conditions. Thus, some living entities are without Krishna consciousness, some are between having and not having Krishna consciousness, and some are actually situated in Krishna consciousness. The demigods in the higher planets, Lord Brahma, Indra, Chandra, the sun god, and various other demigods, are all Krishna conscious. Human society is between the demigods and the animals, and thus some humans are more or less Krishna conscious, and some are completely forgetful of Krishna consciousness. The third grade living entities, namely the animals, beasts, plants, trees, and aquatics, have completely forgotten Krishna consciousness. This example 
stated in the Vedas regarding the sparks of blazing fire is very appropriate for understanding the condition of different types of living entities. But above, but above all other living entities is the Supreme Personality of Godhead, Krishna, or Purushottama, who is always liberated from, material, from all material conditions. The question may be raised as to why the living entities have fallen by chance into different conditions of life. In answer to this question, we first have to understand that there cannot be any influence of chance for the living entities. Chance is for non-living entities. According to the Vedic literature, living entities have knowledge, and thus they are called chetana, which means in knowledge. Their situation in different conditions of life, therefore, is not accidental. It is by their choice, because they have knowledge. In the Bhagavad Gita, the Lord says, Give up everything and just surrender unto me. This process of realizing the Supreme Personality of Godhead is open for everyone. But still, it is the choice of the particular living entity whether to accept or reject this proposal. In the last portion of the Bhagavad Gita, Lord Krishna very plainly says to Arjuna, my dear Arjuna, now I have spoken everything to you. Now you may choose to accept it or not. Similarly, the living entities who have come down to this material world have made their own choice to enjoy this material world. It is not that Krishna sent them into this world. The material world was created for the enjoyment of living entities who wanted to give up the eternal service of the Lord to become the supreme enjoyer themselves. According to the Vaishnava philosophy, when a living entity desires to gratify his senses and forgets the service of the Lord, he is given a place in the material world to act freely according to his desire. And therefore, he creates a condition of life in which he either enjoys or suffers. We should definitely know that both the Lord and the living entities are eternally cognizant. There is no birth and death for either the Lord or the living entities. When creation takes place, this does not mean that the living entities are created. The Lord creates the material world to give the conditioned souls a chance to elevate themselves to the higher platform of Krishna Consciousness. If a conditioned soul does not take advantage of this opportunity, after the dissolution of this material world, he enters into the body of Narayana and remains there in deep sleep until the time of another creation. In this connection, <clears throat> the example of the rainy season is very appropriate. Seasonal rainfall may be taken as the agent for creation because after the rainfall, the wet fields are favorable for growing different types of vegetation. Similarly, as soon as there is creation by the Lord's glancing over the material nature, immediately the living entities spring up in their different living conditions 
just as different types of vegetation grow after a rainfall. The rainfall is one, but the creation of the different plants is varied. The rain, the rain falls equally on the whole field, but the different plants sprout up in different shapes and forms according to the seeds planted. Similarly, the seeds of our desires are varied. Every living entity has a different type of desire, and that desire is the seed which causes his growth in a certain type of body. This is explained by Rupa Goswami by the word Papa Bij. Papa means sinful. All of our material desires are to be taken as Papa Bij, or the seeds of sinful desires. The Bhagavad, Gita, the Bhagavad Gita explains that our sinful desire is that we do not surrender unto the Supreme Lord. The Lord therefore says in the Bhagavad Gita, I shall give you protection from the reactions of sinful desires. These sinful desires are manifested in different types of bodies. Therefore, no one can accuse the Supreme Lord of partiality in giving one type of body to a certain type of living entity and another type of body to another living entity. All the bodies of the 8,400,000 species are created according to the mental condition of the individual living entities. The Supreme Personality of Godhead, Purushottama, only gives them a chance to act according to their desires. Therefore, the living entities act by taking advantage of the facility mm. Mm. sorry sorry I got a, a note and then all of a sudden I lost my place sorry All our material desires are to be taken as Papa Bija, or the seeds of sinful desires. The Bhagavad Gita explains that our sinful desire is that we do not surrender unto the Supreme Lord. The Lord therefore says in the Bhagavad Gita, I shall give you protection from the reactions of sinful desires. These sinful desires are manifested in different types of bodies. Therefore, no one can accuse the Supreme Lord of partiality in giving one type of body to a certain type of living entity and another type of body to another living entity. All the bodies of the 8,400,000 species are created according to the mental condition of the individual living entities. The Supreme Personality of Godhead, Purushottama, only gives them a chance to act according to their desires. Therefore, the living entities act by taking advantage of the facility given by the Lord. At the same time, the living entities are born from the transcendental body of the Lord. This relationship between the Lord and the living entities is explained in the Vedic literature, wherein it is said that the Supreme Lord maintains all his children, giving them whatever they want. 
Similarly, in the Bhagavad Gita, the Lord says, I am the seed-giving father of all living entities. It is very simple to understand that the father gives birth to the children, but the children act according to their own desires. Therefore, the father is never responsible for the different futures of his children. Each child can take advantage of the father's property and instruction, but even though the inheritance and instruction may be the same for all the children, out of their different desires, each child creates a different life and thereby suffers or enjoys. Similarly, the Bhagavad Gita's instructions are equal for everyone. Everyone should surrender under the Supreme Lord, and he will take charge of one and he will take charge of one and protect one from sinful reactions. The facilities of living in the creation of the Lord are equally offered to all living entities. What, wherever, whatever there is, either on the land, in the water, or in the sky, is equally given to all living entities. Since all living beings are sons of the Supreme Lord, everyone can enjoy the material facilities given by the Lord. But unfortunate living entities create unfavorable conditions of life by fighting among themselves. The responsibility for this fighting and creating favorable and unfavorable situations <clears throat> lies with the living entities, <clears throat> not with the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Therefore, if the living entities take advantage of the Lord's instructions as given in the Bhagavad Gita and develop Krishna consciousness, then their lives become sublime and they can go back to Godhead. One may argue <clears throat> that because this material world is created by the Lord, He is therefore responsible for its condition. Certainly He is indirectly responsible for the creation and maintenance of this material world, but He is never responsible for the different conditions of the living entities. The Lord's creation of this material world is compared to a cloud's creation of vegetation. In the rainy season, the cloud creates different varieties of vegetation. The cloud pours water on the surface of the earth, but it never touches the earth directly. Similarly, the Lord creates this material world simply by glancing over the material energy. This is confirmed in the Vedas. He threw his glance over material, the material nature and thus there was creation. In the Bhagavad Gita, it is also confirmed <clears throat> that simply by his transcendental glance over the material nature, he creates different varieties of entities, both moving and non-moving, living and dead. The creation of the material world can therefore be taken as one of the pastimes of the Lord. It is called one of the Lord's pastimes because He creates this material world whenever He desires. 
This desire of the Supreme Personality of Godhead is also extreme mercy on His part because it gives the conditioned souls another chance to develop their original consciousness and thus go back to Godhead. Therefore, no one can blame the Supreme Lord for creating this material world. From the subject matter under discussion, we can gain a clear understanding of the difference between the impersonalists and the personalists. The impersonal conception recommends merging into the existence of the Supreme, and the voidist philosophy recommends making all material varieties void. Both these philosophies are known as Mayavad. Certainly, the cosmic manifestation comes to a close and becomes void when the living entities merge into the body of Narayana to rest until another creation. And this may be called an impersonal condition. But these conditions are never eternal. The cessation of the variegatedness of the material world and the merging of the living entities into the body of the Supreme are not permanent because the creation will take place again and the living entities who merged into the body of the Supreme without having developed their Krishna consciousness will again appear in this material world when there is another creation. The Bhagavad Gita confirms the fact that this material world is created and annihilated perpetually and that conditioned souls without Krishna consciousness come back again and again whenever the material creation is manifest. If such conditioned souls take advantage of this opportunity and develop Krishna consciousness under the direct instruction of the Lord, then they are transferred to the spiritual world and do not have to come back to the material creation. It is said, therefore, that the voidists and the impersonalists are not very intelligent because they do not take shelter under the lotus feet of the Lord. Because they are less intelligent, these voidists and impersonalists take to different types of austerities, either to attain the stage of nirvana, which means finishing the material conditions of life, or to attain oneness by merging into the body of the Lord. All of them again fall down because they neglect the lotus feet of the Lord. In the Chaitanya Charitamrita, the author Krishnadas, Kaviraj Goswami, after studying all the Vedic literatures and hearing from all authorities, has given his opinion that Krishna is the only supreme master and that all living entities are his eternal servants. His statement is confirmed in the prayers by the personified Vedas. The conclusion is therefore that everyone is under the control of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Everyone is serving under the Supreme Direction of the Lord and everyone is afraid of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. It is out of fear of Him that activities are rightly executed. Everyone's position is to be subordinate to the Supreme Lord, yet the Lord has no partiality in His view of the living entities. He is just like the unlimited sky. 
as the sparks of fire dance in the fire. Similarly, all living entities are like birds flying in the unlimited sky of the Supreme Lord. Some of them are flying very high, some of them are flying at a lower altitude, and some are flying at a still lower altitude. The different birds are flying in different positions according to their respective abilities, but the sky has nothing to do with this ability. In the Bhagavad Gita, the Lord confirms that He awards different positions to different living entities in proportion to their surrender. This proportionate reward by the Supreme, by the Personality of Godhead to the living entities is not partiality. Therefore, in spite of the living entities always being under the control of the Supreme Personality of Godhead in their different positions, spheres, and species of life, he is never responsible for the different living conditions. It is foolish and artificial, therefore, to think oneself equal to the Supreme Lord, and it is still more foolish to think that one has not seen God. Everyone is seeing God according to his capacity. The only difference is that the theist sees God as the Supreme Personality, the Most Beloved, Krishna, and the atheist sees the Absolute Truth as ultimate death. The personified Vedas continued to pray. Dear Lord, they said, from all Vedic information, it is understood that you are the supreme controller and all living entities are controlled. Both the Lord and the living entities are called Nitya, eternal, and so are qualitatively one. Yet the single, singular Nitya, or the Supreme Lord, is the controller, whereas the plural Nityas are controlled. The individual controlled living entity resides within the body, and the Supreme Controller, as Supersoul, is also present there. But the Supersoul controls the individual soul. That is the verdict of the Vedas. If the individual soul were not controlled by the Supersoul, how then, then how could one explain the, the Vedic version that a living entity transmigrates from one body to another and enjoys or suffers the effects of his past deeds, sometimes being promoted to a higher standard of life and sometimes being degraded to a lower standard. Thus, the conditioned souls are not only under the control of the Supreme Lord, but are also conditioned by the control of the material nature. This relationship of the living entities with the Supreme Lord as the controlled and the controller definitely proves that although the Supersoul is all-pervasive, the individual living entities are never all-pervasive. If the individual souls were all-pervasive, there would be no question of their being controlled. The theory that the Supersoul and the individual soul are equal is therefore a polluted conclusion, and no sensible person accepts it. Rather, one should try to understand the distinctions 
between the Supreme Eternal and the subordinate Eternals. The personified, the personified Vedas therefore concluded, O Lord, you are the unlimited, eternal, Dhruva, and the living entities are the limited, eternals. The form of the unlimited, eternal is sometimes conceived as the universal form, and in Vedic literatures, like the Upanishads, the form of the limited, eternal is vividly described. It is said therein that the original spiritual form of the living entity is one ten thousand ten thousandth the type that one ten thousand whoops Hare Krishna. It is said therein in the original spiritual that in that the original spiritual form of the living entity is one ten thousandth the size of the tip of a hair. It is also stated that spirit is greater than the greatest and smaller than the smallest. The individual living entities who are eternally part and parcel of God are smaller than the smallest. With our material senses, we can perceive neither the Supreme, who is greater than the greatest, nor the individual soul, who is smaller than the smallest. From the authoritative sources, of Vedic literature, we have to understand both him who is greater than the greatest and him who is smaller than the smallest. The Vedic literature states that the Supersoul is sitting within the heart of every living entity's body and is as big as a thumb. Therefore the argument may be put forward. How can something the size of a thumb be accommodated within the heart of an ant? The answer is that this thumb measurement of the Supersoul is imagined in proportion to the body of the living entity. In no circumstance, therefore, can the Supersoul within the material body of, of the living entity uh, in, under no, in no circumstance, therefore, can the Supersoul and the individual living entity be taken as one. Therefore, although both of them enter within the material body of a living entity. The Supersoul lives within the heart to direct or control the, living, the, the individual living entity. Although both are Dhruva or eternal, the living entity is always under the direction of the Supreme. How, how much longer do we have to go? you know? page-wise? Mm. Can you tell? Mm -hmm. Just a second. We're going to see how far we have to go. There's a lot of paragraphs left. A lot. Oh, yeah. 20, 25. Okay. So I'm going to, I'm going to stop the reading here. It's 8 o'clock. Well, 2 minutes to 8. And tomorrow we should be able to finish the prayers of the personified Vedas. Exciting. Hare Krishna. So, there's a lot of heady stuff in this chapter. So, if there's anything that stuck out while you were hearing, uh, please, let us know. Hare Krishna.
twist is from I don't know if I'm saying this right, but Mfumsi uh, Gaba. Mfumsi Gaba. Okay. He says Hare Krishna Prabhu. Hare Krishna to you. And from Gopakanya Devi Dasi. Haribo Gopakanya Devi Dasi. Hare Krishna dear Maharaj and all friends. All glories to Srila Prabhupada and your daily reading service of Srila Prabhupada's books. Haribo, thank you. Jai Sri Krishna Katha. Jai Krishna Katha. From Rati Manjari. Haribo Rati. She says, Jai Guru Maharaj. Through thick and thin. <laughs> oh, if you only knew. <laughs> Hare Krishna. That's the idea, isn't it? Through thick and thin. One who is loyal is loyal through thick and thin. So if we're loyal to Srila Prabhupada, loyal to his books, then we will hear them every day thick, through thick and thin. And Krishna appreciates that very much and he will personally take charge of cleaning our hearts. Hare Krishna. From Bhakta Rupa. Haribo Bhakta Rupa. Jai Maharaj, please accept my humble obeisances, all glories to Srila Prabhupada. It is amazing that we are all seeing the Lord according to our individual relationship with Him. Mm. Sometimes it seems as if the ability to hear these books is directly connected to how we have performed our services and duties in the day. Amazing transcendental living books. Jai Prabhupada. Absolutely. Absolutely. They're non-different. Not only are they living, but they're non-different than Krishna. These are literary incarnations of Krishna. And particularly the Bhagavatam in its original state is uh, defined as by, by Jiva Goswami as Shruti. The difference between Shruti and Smriti is that in the Shruti, the words can't change. Not one syllable can change. It's eternally the same. And the Bhagavatam is also uh, Shruti. This is coming from Jiva Goswami in the Tatpasandarbha. And it's why in the beginning of the Bhagavatam, the verse Nigamakalpa, Tador, Galitam, Palam, because the word Nigama means Shruti, and Agama means uh, Smriti. The smritis always stay the same in meaning, but the words change because they're they're written down by different persons. But the shruti is never they're never written down by anyone, even Krishna. They're co-eternal with Krishna, and so uh, the Bhagavatam is literally uh, or a literary incarnation of Krishna. Therefore, it's unlimited. Hare Krishna. From Anandamurti Devi Dasi. Yes, Anandamurti. Dear Guru Maharaj, please accept my humble obeisances. All glories to Sri the Prabhupada. Thank you so much for reading Krishna book, which is transcendental to all material conceptions. Absolutely. Thank you.
All right, I thank you very much. You must all be psychic because I really needed to do a few things before I take rest today and I needed to stop early. So you must be uh, connected. We must be connected pretty deeply because usually there's much more. Oh, there's, there is more coming. Two more. Okay. From Garanga Gopal. Garanga Gopal. Hari Bol. Hare Krishna Maharaj. Thank you for another great reading. I really appreciate all the analogies and comparisons found in Sri Prabhupada's books. Yes. I especially appreciated the analogy of Krishna being like the cloud, never in direct contact with the earth. Yes. But providing all conditions for a variegated vegetation to grow. Yes. Without these analogies, and with only philosophy, I would be lost trying to understand these exalted principles. Yes, and Prabhupada, not only that, but he puts it in simple English that all of us can understand, anyone can understand the deepest thoughts in the Vedas by coming through the mouth of Srila Prabhupada, through his intelligence. Yes, thank you. This is from Ratamanjari. Haribo Rati. Dear Guru Maharaj, please accept my humble obeisances. What struck me tonight was how our daily lives in today's society and our vision of reality is so different, almost opposite from what the Vedas teach us about eternal reality. Hmm. <coughs> it is astonishing how these different levels of reality are going on simultaneously. Yes, because each one of us is an individual, as we heard also. And the Lord is reciprocating, and the material nature is also reciprocating with us individually. And it's according to our desire. There's another place in the Vedas where it says that when we all go back into the, when the conditioned souls go back into the body of Mahavishnu and wait there for the next creation, what actually causes the Lord to create is the unfulfilled desires of the conditioned souls. They agitate the Lord and cause the, the Lord to create. Just like a child, you know, who wants something and is always, you know, hassling the parents. Oh, you dumb, you daddy, I've got to have this, I've got to. Finally, they just okay, all right, and then they give it to him because that's that's love. That's that's the unconditional love of parenthood. So each one of us has an individual uh, existence, an individual prarabdha uh, karma in this body, and therefore an individual result. And it's up to us to change our desires. And this is the mercy of the Lord that He gives us this opportunity, even though we forgot Him wanting to try to lord it over and imitate him, still he gives us chances. Hare Krishna. Ratamandrari also comments, basically everyone is living in his own vision of the world. Yes. Atmavat manyato jagat. Everyone sees the world according to his uh, perspective. And I'm going to stop now because I have a, some things that I have to do. Krishna, the Supreme Personality of Godhead, Ki Jai. Samaveda Bhakta Vrinda Ki Jai. Gaur Prem Anandi Hari Hari Bol. See you tomorrow night, same time, same place, same topic. The unlimited glories and facets of the jewel, the, the Supreme Jewel, the Supreme Personality of Godhead, Krishna. Hari Krishna. See you tomorrow night. Hari Bol.